Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and welcome back. Yes, we are back. Not really. I'm back. Steve's not here. Uh, Steve's off making the moolah. He's off making the money. He's off making the Lady Godiva, the fiver. Um, my name is Michael Bath. This is a Portugal podcast. If you haven't been here before, welcome. If you have, welcome back. Um, it's been a while. It feels like a long time, actually. Um, as you guys realize, I took two weeks. Well, the podcast took two weeks break, uh, primarily because I have been in Dubai. Uh, I'm back in Bahrain now, but I've been in Dubai for the last, I don't know, we're there for 16 nights, 16 nights in Dubai. Um, I'll get onto that shortly. Uh, but this is episode 140 of the Portugal podcast. Um, I haven't been doing nothing this week. Um, I have actually been recording uh, some future owner stories. Uh, I've had a couple of great owners that I've chatted to already, and I'm talking to another two owners uh, in the next couple of days on Friday, and I think I've got someone on Saturday as well. Um, you guys are, you know, it's just amazing how many people have reached out to me. I mean, there's so many people reaching out to me, um, and I do apologize once again uh, with owner stories um, that I do take a little while to get back now. I don't take a long time to get back. I'll always answer you, but I take a little while to get ske to schedule you in. Um, but I am going to catch up in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do a, a few owner stories every week so I can catch up on you guys who have who have been waiting for some time to chat with me and, and tell me uh, about your Porsche and about your story. Um, so I recorded a few this week. Um, let's just get on to, I just want to do the usual, uh, the usual uh, shout outs that I like to do. Um, Patreon, as you guys know, Patreon is the place where uh, you guys can support the podcast. Um, as you know, the podcast is completely free. It's completely voluntary. You don't have to do it, but it is there if, if you want to support the podcast. Um, small financial support. It starts at $2 to, this is US dollars, of course, $2 to $10 a month. Um, and we have one new member of Porsche Cooled this week, and that's it wasn't actually this week. I think it was just before I went to Dubai. Um, I'm catching up on these, obviously, because I haven't done the shout-outs for two weeks. Uh, and that was Sashin. Uh, Sashin, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Uh, thanks for joining. I appreciate it very much. I don't know what you uh, drive, if you own a Porsche or you don't own a Porsche. Uh, I did send you a message through Patreon. You haven't responded yet, but that's that's okay. But um, hopefully in the coming weeks, I will know more about your story and I'll, I'll mention it again on the podcast. Like I said, if you want to join Patreon, you just go to patreon.com slash Porsche Cool or just search Porsche Cool Patreon in Google. It comes up and then uh, it's quite easy, the process they have there where you can just... Uh, support the podcast um, on a monthly basis. Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. Um, I hope you guys listened to that story, to the story this week. If you haven't, uh, check it out. It's number 52 with Philip. Uh, I had a really good chat with Philip. Philip's in uh, Brussels. He's in Belgium. Uh, he's friends with uh, Alan, who has been on before. You remember Alan. He had the, uh, Alan was on Owner Stories number 45, and Alan had the 78 Porsche, um, 924 Outlaw, um, very cool car, had a really good story. Um, him and Philip are friends. Um, but Philip, uh, Philip had a good story because he has been exposed to, uh, he's been exposed to Porsche for a long time. Uh, he's a car fanatic, as he first said in his message to me. Uh, you know, he, he knew all the car brands when he was a kid. Uh, his for, first Porsche memory is a memory which I think most of us would love to have is when he was about 10 uh, his father went out and bought a um, 911, 
Um, and over the period of his childhood, his dad had owned many 911s. Uh, from a 964s to 993s, and then the final one was a 996. The 996 was when Philip was uh, just starting to learn to drive. Philip, I hope I've got all this right because I'm doing it from memory. Um, Philip was able to drive. So the 996 was the car he actually did drive in. He didn't drive in the others because he was too young. He didn't drive in the 964 or the 993, but he did have a, a memory of driving in the 996 when he first got his license or when he was learning to drive. Um, so he had, he had that Porsche childhood that we all kind of dream of that, you know, we're immersed in the Porsche culture. Our father's got multiple Porsches. Um, you know, it, it, it's a different, I don't know if it's a different way of seeing it now in, in, when he's older, but he has come back to that 996. Uh, he has come back to that 996, which his father owned the 996, which he's, you know, he did get a chance to drive in. Um, his first one was a, um, actually, no, he didn't buy the 996 first. What am I saying? He bought, Philip bought the 944. I'm giving away the whole story. I'll stop. I won't, I won't give too much more away, but he had a 944 was the first one he owned, had it for a few years, drove it a lot, really enjoyed it. Uh, then he got a 996. Um, I've seen pictures of the 996. It's on the, um, Porsche cooled Instagram. If you flip through those images of the, of the post for Philip's sub story, you'll see the blue one. Uh, he sold that to his cousin. Um, so basically what he decided to do, he was looking one night, he found this car. I'm not going to give too much away. It wasn't advertised as what it was. It was something better. It was a GT3. Um, so he decided to, well, in the end, he decided that he had to sell the 944 and the 996, the blue one that he had, and get the GT3, which he does. And now he's got a 2001 uh, GT3 in silver. Um, as Philip said, it's a high mileage car which didn't bother him. It's quite a high mileage GT3. It's a car that's been driven. But what's great about the car is it's a one owner. He bought it from the original owner. He had a good conversation with the son. Um, it's got a good story to it. And I, I really, you know, if you're going to listen to one more podcast this weekend, listen to Owner Stories number 52 with Philip. Um, go and give him a follow and tell him you really enjoyed his story as well. His Instagram is, excuse me, is at j.low underscore GT3. That's at j.low underscore GT3. If you want to come on to Owner Stories, you want to be on the podcast, you want to chat about your Porsche story, your Porsche journey, um, just reach out to me on Instagram. It's always the best way, uh, at Porsche Cooled, which is my uh, main Instagram for the podcast. Um, there's also P997.1 or at Michael.Bath. Either of those, any of those, you'll get a hold of me. Porsche Cooled is probably the best one because it's about the Porsche Cooled podcast. Um, and I'll get back to you and we can schedule a time. Like I said, uh, those of you who know, all the Owner Stories I've done through Zoom. They're done through Zoom. Uh, we record it. We have a chat. Uh, we have the video on. A lot of people say, do you have the video on? Yes, we have the video on, but that's just to see you, see you guys when I'm talking to you so we don't try to cut each other off and, and talk over each other. Um, and that's about it. Never use the video. We just use the audio. And it's a great, it's a great uh, hour. It goes very, very quickly. Um, the owner's story that I recorded last night that's coming up, I had a really good chat with uh, Devin, who's coming up, uh, he, um, him and I chatted for like an hour and a half. So sometimes I go a bit over, but you know, um, I hope you guys are still enjoying the Owner's Story series. And speaking of the Owner's Stories, I just want to say thank you as well, because I noticed from the stats, um, you guys must have been really hanging out for the, for the Porsche Cool podcast to, to return, because I noticed the stats on um, Tuesday when I, uh, when I launched Philip's uh, Owner's Stories episode, they were 
they were way higher than they usually are. They they really they really uh, peaked. They really spiked. Um, so thank you for that. You guys uh, you guys were obviously waiting for uh, for a new episode. Um, and like I said, I, I do apologize for the for the two weeks off. But I just after just coming back from Dubai, and I'm actually still recovering. I'm still really really tired. But I just couldn't have done it with the projects that we we were doing there. Um, and I know a lot of you guys. I'm going to go a little bit off topic here. And I know a lot of you guys always ask me, you know, what are you doing in Dubai? What are you doing on these things? Um, without going too deep into it, um, the reason why everything was a bit crazy over the last four months, five months, and I've been saying it on the podcast quite a lot, and you guys know all about it, um, is because we, we've been doing a lot of projects for, uh, at Expo Dubai, which Expo Dubai 2020, it's still called Expo Dubai 2020. Uh, if you don't know what Expo Dubai Expo is, Expo is like the World Fair, Eiffel Tower was, was, uh, a souvenir from the expo of, of all those years ago. Um, so <clears throat> we did a lot of projects there. A lot of the projects we started in late 2017, 2018, started the work on them. Uh, and when I say work on them, it's like the exhibition design, the AV, working out all the the, the message and the story for the client. Uh, we have a lot of Middle Eastern clients, a lot of countries, a lot of uh, the Gulf states primarily. Um, so we did a lot of pavilions uh, in the Gulf states. Some of them we saw through, uh, well, one of them we saw through to execution. Uh, the other ones we left in. We left in 2020, basically. We left them in 2020, but we did the whole concept and you know planning and everything of of all the exhibits and all the story. Um, so that's that's kind of a, a very vague, I know, but very sort of brief uh, explanation of what I do because I get a lot of questions, people asking, "What what are you doing in Dubai? What work do you do?" So, um, but the most exciting one was we did, and I'll, I'll mention it because I'm, you know, I think it's very well done. Uh, the project that we'd had to finish in four and a half months, which is really fast track. Client came in very late due to um, due to various reasons, and, and if I mention the name of the country, I think some of you will know. Uh, but Qatar, we worked on the Qatar Pavilion at Expo Dubai. We did the um, the architecture was done by an architect called Santiago Calatrava. Santiago Calatrava, for those of you in New York, you'll be familiar with that name from the World Trade Center site. Um, and we did the uh, exhibition design and exhibition for that with all the AV and all the um, content, programming, etc., <coughs> through the various partners that we use um, around the world. Um, turned out to be really good. It's really successful. If you do a search for it, if you see the interiors, that's what we did, uh, the, all the exhibits and the interiors. Not the interior architecture, the interior as in the exhibition. Um, so that was that. We did that. We're in Dubai for 16 days. Uh, we stayed at a very good hotel there. Um, it's not probably the sort of hotel I would we would usually stay in. Uh, we stayed in a hotel called the Kempinski. I always, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Kempinski, Kempinski Hotel, which is at the Mall of the Emirates, um, primarily because it was easy when you're doing these sort of jobs and you leave in the morning at like eight and you get back at like nine, ten o'clock at night. You just want something that's easy and central. And if you need to get food quickly, there's restaurants close by and there's there's things in the hotel. Uh, and luckily, the hotel is, you know, the hotel is, I guess, a luxury hotel, um, but it's. It's comfortable because the rooms were like suites and when the room is like a suite and you're kind of living there, it, it, it is a lot more comfortable and you have a lot more space. So my wife and I had a lot more space there and it was it was easy to work because we were doing work as well on the fly uh, of an evening, just getting things organized, changing content, uh, getting the people who are making the content for us in Malaysia and the UK to do changes, etc. So all those sort of things that we're doing last minute to get everything ready for the opening, which was on the 1st of October. 
So that's that. That's where I was in Dubai. Oh, and, and anyone who's listening from the UAE or from Dubai, I, I don't know how you stand the heat. I thought Bahrain was hot. Um, and I know we were outside a lot because we were walking around a lot on Expo once it opened, looking at other pavilions and, and seeing what other technology and exhibits people have been doing. Um, but it was it was just unbearable. Dubai was just unbearable. I just, you know, the days were like, for, for those of you who don't live in a hot climate, the temperature was 38. Uh, it felt like 47. Um, and we're walking around a lot of the time. Um, the thing that I did really find interesting, and I'll get back onto the Porsche thing in a minute, the thing I found really quite amazing is I've never ever seen a proper sandstorm before. And we actually got to, uh, to the expo site before opening. And I think it was about a week, a few days before opening. And we we're in the pavilion and someone said, you got to look outside. And you looked outside, you couldn't see anything. It was a sandstorm. I've never ever seen a sandstorm before. People were running to get undercover. They were running to get undercover. So that was... That was a first. That was a first. But I like to buy. I mean, it's okay. Um, I don't think I could live there. It's a bit too fast-paced for me. Um, people say it's like Vegas. I don't think it's like Vegas at all. Um, but, you know, it was good. People were friendly. You know, food. There was good enough food there. And uh, they've got a metro there now, so the metro was easy to get around. So that's a bit of a lowdown on where I've been. That's what I've been doing. We got back the other night, like I said. And I've done a couple of owner stories recordings. And uh, today I was kind of left left up a tree, so to speak, um, because I didn't know what to do because Steve isn't able to do it. I was going to reach out to um, <clears throat> Ajmal or someone else to come and do it, but it was a little bit last last minute, last, no, last minute notice. Uh, and I know, Ajmal, you're probably listening and going, it would have been fine. But I always feel bad when I just call someone the night before saying, can you be on a podcast or call them and say, can you do it in, like in the next couple of hours? Um, it always makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. So that's why I've decided today that I didn't want you guys to miss out. Just give you a bit of an update of what's going on. And uh, we have an episode for today. Um what else? I was just in the gym, actually, and I just listened to um, Spike's Car Radio, the Seinfeld rant one. I have to say, it, it, I really enjoy those episodes when Seinfeld and Zuckerman and Spike are together. Um, I really think that Seinfeld and Zuckerman should have their own podcast. I think together they are, they are even better than Spike. I find them really, really funny. I keep going back to that really early episode where him and uh, Seinfeld were just hilarious. Um, once again, a really good, a really good podcast. I think anyone that's into Porsches, you really, you know, when there's episodes like that on where it's really Porsche-centric, which it was today, Porsche-centric, and comedy as well, um, they really are, they're, they're a really good episode. Um, the more and more I look, actually, and people have said this, the more and more I look, you know, finding a podcast that's just Porsche is not, there's not that many, you know, there's not that many. Um, I'm not going to name the usual suspects, but there's, there's a handful of us that are doing it, and I guess it is because it is very selective, um, and doing a podcast on Porsche is not... I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's difficult because for me it's just. I'm always thinking about it. Like I'm always thinking about watches. I'm always thinking about car, about the Porsche. Um, everyone knows I'm still hankering for another one. I'm trying, trying hard to like work out when I can do it. Um, <clears throat> those of you who know that we're still kind of trapped a little bit, so we can't go back to Australia. But I'm trying to work out what to do with this car situation. I'm trying to work out what what classic to buy. Um, it's weird, you know, like I, I've never been a big fan and I've said it before. I've never been a huge fan of the 356. And I want to get into this with another thought I had when I was in the gym just before I came down from the gym. Um, I've never been a big fan of the 356. I really appreciate them. Like I said, years ago, I knew someone in Sydney that used to drive around in the Cabriolet one <clears throat> um, when they were cheap, when they were super cheap. 
um, and I've spoken to PJ, who's got his 356, Mark from Mark and Cars, Stone City Outlaw with his 356. You know, so there's there's been a lot of people on Owner's Stories talking about the 356, and then I just listened to that podcast upstairs with Seinfeld, and he's saying if you want to experience the Porsche brand, you should, I think he said it's like a early, an early 911, a 356C, and a Beetle, if you want to know what the essence of Porsche is, what the, what Porsche is all about. And he made that good point about the 356C that it's been honed and, and finessed over so many years when, when they got to the C, that the C is like, to him, you know, it just shows you their way of thinking, I guess, their way of, their DNA, it's, it's, their DNA is embedded in that car because they, they, most cars are finished after a seven-year run. That car, I can't remember how many years it ran for, but that car ran for much longer than that, the 356 and he said, you know, it's almost like, I guess it's almost striving for, 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 striving for perfection. I'll get my words out. Striving for perfection. But even with new models of Porsche, we know that. You know, we do know that. We know that Porsche is always fine-tuning. You know what I mean? But, you know, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, from the 996 to the 997, you know, is the 997, I know it's a different generation it's 997 or whatever but it is the 996 to the 997 is it really like a continuous flow do i mean do you see the do you see you know that 356 like seinfeld was saying about the 356 you know to the 356c it's been around for so many years that they're just gradually and obviously because they didn't have the money to bring out a new model and you know that's probably why they were doing it but they're obviously finessing things and fine-tuning things in the process of that that from the a to the b to the c you know what i mean so is the 996 in a way, 996, 997, is it just really like a continu- It's a continuation, isn't it? it? It really is like one model. The one model that, you know, it, it goes from air-cooled. It goes into water-cooled and you have the 996. So the 996 is the first water-cooled. And then it slowly progresses to the 997. And sure, the 997 was different on the interior, but we all know it shared parts. It shared... It shared you know, it also shared the issues with the IMS. And then it goes into the 997. And then, you know, and I know some of you guys are going to be not agreeing with me here, but then you go into the 991. So is that still a continuation to the 991? What I'm trying to get at is, is that is, is a Porsche 911 line, is it really seven years or whatever it is that they make them for? Or is it actually longer than that? Because a 996 and 997 could almost be one generation. It's just a progression of that generation to something better at the end from the 997 to the 991 the 991 changes again the 991 to me is like the 991 to the 992 almost it feels like that that is the grouping that i would put i guess you could almost put the grouping with the 997 but to me it's almost like it becomes more modern 991 into 992 you know so is it like two two generations i don't know if you can do the same thing with a 964 964 to 993. I'm not sure. I don't think I know enough about the 964 to, and the 993 to see if they, if that is almost like, you know, it's almost like when Porsche do their planning, they don't plan for a seven year period. They actually do plan for a 14 year period. I think the, the 356 was around for 14 years, wasn't it? 14 years? Maybe it's longer. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that planning, you know, it's that, I don't know. It's that planning of, of, you know, we can't do everything in one generation, but we'll follow it into the next generation and we'll make that car, even though it's a different, we'll call it 997 instead of 996, it kind of is a, still a progression from the very first 996. 
Anyway, that's what I was thinking when I was in the gym before. I don't know if it's true or not. Let me know anyway. Send me a DM and, and let me know if you think I'm on the right track or I've gone completely mental crazy. Um, let me just read a couple of reviews out. Uh, I had a couple of Apple ratings and reviews. As I've always said, Apple ratings and reviews really do help us uh, become the number one Porsche podcast. Um, I know we're never going to beat Spike and I know we're never going to uh, beat Smoking Tire, but it's kind of cool to see us up in the same um, level of those, those guys. And, you know, in, in a lot of countries, we actually have been, and it's kind of surprising. <laughs> it's surprising. Uh, I send them to Steve every now and again so Steve can see it too. It's, it's humbling. It's kind of weird. Like in Norway and Switzerland, and I know we have a lot of people who listen from, from both those countries, you know, we've been in the top five, uh, top three, I think, in Norway. And, you know, obviously this changes all the time. It's very dynamic, the charts, the Apple podcast charts for automotive. Um, that's why when I hear other podcasts talking about it, how they're number one, you don't stay number one because it's, it depends on, on your downloads. It depends on how many people are listening. So it's very dynamic. It changes all the time. It's not a static figure. It doesn't stay there for weeks on end. Um, but the Scandinavian country, you know, Norway and Sweden, um, very popular Porsche School podcast. Malaysia, I want to say thank you to all the Malaysian listeners. Very, you know, it's really cool. Costa Rica, once again, thank you. Uh, and of course, not forgetting you guys in the US. Um, you know, we're high in the US charts, high that I never thought we'd be that high. And, and for me, high in the US is in the top 50. If we're in the top 50, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, UK, of course, and Australia. Um, New Zealand as well for all our New Zealand listeners and, and New Zealand owners that have been on owner stories before. I guess that's uh, that's always helped uh, us being seen in New Zealand. Um, but there's so many countries to list. I can't list all of them. But I just want to say, you know, it. I looked at it. I looked at it when I got back to Bahrain because I hadn't looked at it over the past 16 days. I've kind of been a little bit like Porscheless over the past 16 days. Um, those of you who follow me on Instagram would have seen I posted a few images here and there on Michael.Bath on my personal Instagram of Expo and, and stuff we're doing in Dubai. Um, and I also, you know, I, I was still doing Porsche Cooled Instagram, but I really, you know, my head was elsewhere. It was really busy. I was struggling to keep up just with uh, with doing that. In fact, the last night in uh, the last night in Dubai, I had to edit uh, Philip's episode to put up for, for, the, for you guys because on Patreon, the episode goes up on the Monday. And it goes up on the Monday, uh, 24 hours early. That's one of the benefits of being a Patreon member by joining Porsche Cooled Exclusive or Exclusive Plus. Um, and so I literally hadn't edited that episode. I should have done it before I left Bahrain. And then I was so tired I had to do it the night before we uh, flew out of um, Dubai. But it all worked out in the end and, and it's a really good episode. Anyway, Apple ratings and reviews. Um, I'm going to read this three of them. Um, and like I said, I really like getting Apple ratings and reviews because as I said, it's you guys take the time, you appreciate us and you take the time. It's like becoming a member of Patreon. If you don't want to become a member of Patreon, uh, you know, give us a, a review or give us a rating on Apple, you know, spend a bit of time and just write a quick review. It really does help us. Uh, it really does help us uh, get seen by other Porsche enthusiasts, Porsche owners that that are still coming to the podcast. This is what I find quite amazing. All you guys found us. A lot of you guys found us, you know, a long time ago. A lot of you guys knew me from YouTube, you know, have spoken to me when I, on the YouTube channel when I used to paste, post more Porsche videos. So a lot of you guys already knew of me and that's why you, you found the podcast. Some people have no idea who I am. And I found a lot, a lot of people have said to me, I think in the last week I had about three people saying, you know, just found the podcast, it's great, started to listen from, you know, from the beginning, which is fantastic, and that's what I like. Uh, and, you know, friends of friends who are 
people who have been on owner stories, you know, like um, Alan, and then, you know, Philip this week is, is Alan's friend, and then there's uh, Brian, who was on a couple of weeks back with his 996 cab from uh, his friend uh, Devin is coming up in the coupling couple in the couple in in the following weeks. See what I mean? I can't speak properly. He's coming up in the following week, following weeks. Um, so it's great when friends introduce friends, and then friends come on the podcast. I really like that. Um, and what I want to do too is I want to do this thing where maybe you guys come back and talk about did you keep the car? Did you get rid of the car? You know, have you changed anything on the car? Especially people who have been restoring their car, which they uh, had a few now. Uh, and how it was once you got it delivered. Uh, Stephen in Sydney with his 66 Hot Rod 912. Um, I've got a really good owner's stories coming up about the previous owner who owned that car. I know some of you guys know who it is, and I'm not going to mention, I'm going to keep that a secret, but the previous owner of Stephen's car, who's just bought another very, very special car from someone else that's been on owner's stories from Australia. So that's a really good one coming up. And that's uh, that could even be, it's not next week, it's the week after next. Okay, um, <clears throat> I'm getting distracted. The three reviews. Uh, first one, uh, thank you very much to ITS911. Uh, Porsche cooled as tops. I have a special interest in pre-73 Porsches, but also I'm open to a modern Porsche ownership. The more I listen, the more open-minded I become. Thanks to Michael and Steve and the Porsche owners, Jeff in Sydney. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for the review. Uh, next one, insightful Aussie Porsche banter. I like that title. It's a good title. Michael and Steve represent a perfect duo in the insightful Porsche banter fit for the ordinary working person. The Porsche Cool podcast was one of the first podcasts I found during COVID and inspired me to purchase my first Porsche 9, 993 tip cab. And I have the opportunity to expand a collection in the, in the, last, in the past 18 months, including two GT3s. They question our why and evoke our FOMO, if you're missing out, of course, to explore this reliable, exciting, exhilarating brand, which is the Porsche Colt. Five stars from the Rundock. Rundock in Australia. Thank you so much for that. Really good review. Um, yeah, I wish I had two GT3s. That's all I can say. Um, third one is my favorite, my favorite car podcast. Uh, this is from the Dacta in US. Michael and his show are fantastic. A wealth of knowledge on many things 911, a fresh perspective on 996s and the who and the, and the who Porsche culture. Owner stories, always something I look forward to. Michael has a great way of telling stories and leaving his listeners the information that is both informative and entertaining. As a car nut, I just can't get enough. Thank you so much. Very, very kind review. Thank you so much to the uh, three reviews this week and... Like I said, I like to read them out. Um, I hope you guys don't get bored with it because I really do think, you know, you take the effort to do it. It's, uh, I, like to, I like to read them out so you guys can hear what other people are thinking. So where have I been? Where have I, been? I already covered that. I've been in Dubai, like I said. Um, today, you know, in, in that thought process about the merging of models, the merging, the, the, the cloudiness between the transition between a 996 and a 997 and the overlap, I guess that's what you call it, right? It's 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 a good transition, you know. You you know you're making content, you're making film for a for an exhibition or whatever. It, it's that transition that where you where you don't see the change, or you see the change, but the change is acceptable and it's slightly different. But then it it all comes together as one. Um, and I kind of think that's how Porsche do things. I mean, this is just my opinion: is how Porsche do things. Um, but this gets me on to values. And the reason why I want to talk about values is because Steve's not here. <laughs> no, no offense, Steve. Um, I know Steve doesn't like to talk about values all the time. And I don't like to talk about values either because I'm not, I'm, not um, I'm not sitting here thinking, okay, 
you know, my car is worth this much now, so, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I can go out and buy myself a new watch or something. It's not that kind of thing or, you know, or maybe I can sell it or whatever. But then it kind of comes back to that. And this is what I want to want to talk about. And this is kind of what the episode, apart from an update, is kind of loosely based around what I call the new air-cooled. I think I might even call it that. I wrote it down when I was in the gym. The new air-cooled. So, you know, let's think about 996 owners. Let's think about 996 owners and 997 owners. Um, and I remember being in Auto House Hamilton, and I'm not going to... I remember overhearing a conversation, and this was many years ago. It's probably when I first got my car, so probably four years ago. And it was a gentleman who... I think it was a gentleman that had a couple of air cools. He had a couple of 3.2 Carrera or something else. Um, and I remember talking to one of the guys that worked there at the time who's no longer there. And it's like, you know, a lot of these people, he said to me, a lot of them, are, they, they don't know what to do. They've had this car. They've had this 911, which may have been worth, you know, twenty to 30,000 Australian dollars. And now all of a sudden the car is worth, you know, 120, 130, obviously much more now. This was at the time. And now the car is worth 130000 And, you know, and I guess it's like, well, what do you do? You know, do you preserve it? Do you do all the work on it and preserve it so it's original? Do you just leave it because the value has gone up anyway and it doesn't really matter what happens after that because you've already made, you know, if you bought, if you bought it for twenty grand or thirty grand and you bought a couple of them, you've, you know, you've tripled, quadrupled your money? Or do you... Or do you just sell it and then buy something else? You know, do you sell it? And I guess at the time, would you have sold it? Would you sell one of your air cools or both your air cools and buy a new 911 or put it towards a new 911? Um, for me, that's not good financial advice. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, it's, it's kind of what us 996 and 997 owners, and you know, you guys know that I own a 997.1. And the reason why I've been thinking about this is because I've just literally uh, yesterday uh, contacted Porsche Insurance. Um, and I contacted Porsche Insurance um, because I really do need to increase the value of my car. My car at the moment is undervalued. I'm not going to tell you the value. I might have said it in a previous episode, but I don't want to repeat it now. My car is undervalued, and I think it's undervalued by... Well, this is a tricky bit. I don't know how much it's undervalued by, but I contacted Porsche Insurance, um, and I know Stephen in Sydney, uh, who has the... Uh, the 912, the hot rod that's being done up. He said I should look at Shannon's, and a couple of other people have also told me I should go to Shannon's. For the international listeners, Shannon's Insurance in Australia, I guess you could probably say the comparison brand is probably Haggerty, I guess. And I know a lot of I know that a lot of the international listeners have told me that Haggerty is very good with you know um, agreed value. Um, and I think I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed with Porsche Insurance because it's like. I know Porsche, well, I'll explain it, but Porsche insurance in Australia, obviously the underwriter is not, Porsche is not selling you the policy. There's the underwriter that's selling you the policy, whoever that may be, Alliance or whoever Porsche has this policy with. The thing is, I don't like the fact that you always have to explain to them or convince them that their 997 Carrera is worth more than the value that they put on it. I don't understand how a Porsche insurance... Now, if I was going to 
a company like NRMA in Australia, uh, which is a motoring sort of uh, assistance sort of company that's been around for years for international visitors that don't know about it, like the RACV or what, not RACV, what is it in UK? I can't even remember what it's called. Um, so, you know, there's other companies that have insurance, but they're not called Porsche insurance. If you're called Porsche insurance, don't you think that you should know what your market is? Don't you think you should know that there's been a sudden increase in prices of 996s, which is which is domino effect into 997s, that 996s are now worth where you could have got one for 40, now you're getting them for 80. And I want to come back onto the value, and I've noticed this on um, Greg's, uh, Greg's side in the US on his Instagram, First Flat 6. If you haven't been to Greg's um, Instagram, make sure you follow him. Greg was on a earlier owner stories. And he always puts cars that have sold, you know, 996s that have sold at, at crazy prices. Uh, I think he had a C4S there the other day that sold at quite a high price for, you know, based on US pricing. So, you know, you've got this thing where this trend where, you know, classic car market is going crazy. Porsche prices are going crazy. 996s are no longer a cheap alternative. People are starting to see the 996, see the design of the 996 and really appreciate the design where some people are always hating upon it. Um, but Porsche don't seem to know the value of their brand, Porsche Insurance, which distresses me. So I've given them a chance here. Um, I sent them a thing saying I wanted to increase the value of my car. Um, due to these reasons, I gave them three ads of 997s that were for sale in Australia. Most of them were 120. I think it was 110, 120, and 120. I left it at that. I do have ads for 996s, and I want to I want to explain uh, talk about the one ad that I saw today actually. Um, so I gave them that information. She came back very helpful. The girl at Porsche Insurance. She's a very lovely lady that's been helping me for the last three years. She's been there for three or four years now. So. She said, I need pictures of the inside of your car, I need pictures of the exterior of your car, and I need a picture of your odometer. Not just how many kilometers does it have, they want to see the odometer, because that has to go to the underwriter. Um, so that was yesterday. I haven't had a response back yet. So I'm going to be interested. I'm, I'm going to tell you guys what they come back with. At the moment, I'm waiting to see what it is. I think my car is minimum 30000 Australian dollars underinsured, minimum. But today, I found an ad well, I saw an ad and I sent it to Steve and I sent it to a couple of people. Uh, I sent it to Marco, actually, Marco in Sydney as well, Steve's cousin who has the uh, 996 Turbo. It's a 2001 Porsche 911 Carrera 996. It's in manual, 84,000 kilometers. Um, so what's that, 60, 45,000 miles or something like that? Something like that, I think. Um, and yesterday, actually, it's a very weird ad. I don't understand these people, you know, when you put an ad on a car site, if you're subscribed to that ad, you'll get the alerts when the price changes. This car yesterday was 108,000 Australian dollars. Now, do the calculation very quickly, but that's 108,000 Australian dollars for a 2001 996 Carrera. Speed yellow, um, pretty standard, no crazy options, nothing at all, uh, in a really good condition from New South Wales. Um, you know, beautiful car. And I'm not saying the guy's asking too much for it. I'm just saying the prices now, I mean, he's taken it down by 10 grand. So it's now 98,000. But that's 98,000 for a 2001 996. 98,000 is more, quite significantly a lot more than what my car has been valued at by Porsche Insurance. This is why it's a bit odd. This is why I think value is a bit crazy. Um, and then you've got the GT3s. Now, we've spoken about GT3s before, and I know this is a worldwide trend, but there's a yellow, speed yellow GT3. It's a two-ring. It doesn't have the racing seats. Um, same color as John, uh, John, who's been on owner's stories. Um, 
And that's 295,000 Australian dollars. So 300,000 Australian dollars, a little bit more with when you pay stamp duty. Um, 300,000 Australian dollars. Uh, I don't know the exact conversion in my head at the moment, but but it's, you know, you're talking about a, a, a 996 GT3, which was sitting in the high 100s, say 12 months ago. So we're in this situation now where people have had these cars. If you've had a 996 GT3 and you've had it since it was 99,000, you've had it for 10 years or eight years, all of a sudden you're sitting on this amount of money, you know, and it's like, it's the same dilemma, I think, that people who had air-cooled cars encountered. First thing you have to do is make sure you get it insured at the right value. Because if you go onto Redbook in Australia, which is the value site like Blue Book, Kelly Blue Book, I think, um, if you go onto that site, I guarantee that the price they have a 996 GT3 for is not even close to 295000 And car dealers in Australia always tend to look at that Redbook, oh, they go, the Redbook price is this. So when you're selling, it's always the Redbook price. And when you're buying, the Redbook price is always incorrect. Uh, and that's kind of the trend. And it, it, I don't know when these sort of figures are going to come up to date because I don't know what the insurance companies, the underwriters, the insurance companies, you know, look at, what data they're looking at. But, you know, I remember when I first insured my car, they, were, they, they sent me links from car sales saying that car sales, there were these cars on car sales and this was the value. You know, so if they come back to me now and say, well, we don't look at car sales, it's like, well, you don't look at car sales when I'm querying it, but when you're telling me how much it's worth, you say you look at car sales. It's the same situation with these value sites. So I found a few 996s. There was a 1999 GT3, 295,000, plus the stamp duty, so it's probably closer to 320. Um, And then there's this one, which I noticed James at Porsche Platts uh, put a post on Porsche Forums Australia. James has been on owner's stories before. Um, there's an 07 GT3 997 manual. Uh, Steve's is an 08, I think. It's in silver. Um, I'm looking at the ad now. I don't think it has... I don't know if it has seats or not. In fact, the pictures are very interesting because... Ha, huh, this is very interesting. This has got a sunroof. This looks like it has a sunroof. I don't know if this is the same car... Let me just read it quickly. Yeah, look, it's got a full titanium exhaust, um, comes with the old exhaust. It's got 71,000 kilometers, um, full service history. Um, it looks like there's a sunroof. I can't even see it, but they're not showing the seats. Oh, it's got, it doesn't have the racing seats. It's just got the normal. It doesn't have the lightweight buckets. This looks very, I don't know whether this is the reason why that post was up. This is very similar to the one that was sold recently which didn't sell for 307000 um, Anyway, the thing is, another one. This one didn't go down. This one went up. It was 297 yesterday. It's now 307, almost 308000 Australian dollars. Plus, you had the stamp duty on. You're probably up for another, I don't know, 10 or so. So it's probably more like 320000 Australian dollars for a 2007 GT3. Now, you've got that dilemma. I keep coming back to this dilemma. Um, the dilemma being, you know, the new air cooled. And when I say the new air cooled, I mean... The experience that people were were had to go through with the, with their air cools when they increased in value, and of course, you know, a three point two Carrera G fifty isn't one hundred and thirty thousand Australian dollars now. It's more like two hundred thousand. You know what I mean? So, you know, you've got the things with insurance. Then you've got the thing about you know, do I do I keep it or do I sell it? And I think that's the hardest one. You know, because the worst thing you can have is regrets. The worst thing you can have is, unless you're like a a billionaire like a Jerry Seinfeld, where you can keep buying back your cars at higher prices, you know, 
a lot of us, it's like when you sell something, it's hard to get it back. Once, one, it's hard to find it. Two, the person that bought it may not want to sell it uh, unless you sell it to a, thre- a friend or something. But, you know, when you get to this situation, like a 996 Carrera, if your 996 Carrera that you have 80,000 kilometers on it, say this yellow one sells close to that mark. Say it is a $100,000 car now. It's a $100,000 car. Now, most people who have 996s aren't original owners. Um, I'm guessing there's a few people that probably did pick them up when they were 39, 49,000. Um, I'm guessing there's some people that also picked them up when they were probably a little bit higher than that. You know, maybe they were a little bit higher. Maybe they were 120 and they picked them up when they were just sort of coming down in price. Um, the thing about the 996 is, is that the 996 did bottom out a lot more than the 997. The 997 hasn't really, and I mentioned this when we are chatting with Steve, you know, weeks back. The 997 hasn't really bottomed out that much, which I find interesting but I think the 997 has really been helped by the 996 I think the 996 took the full force of the hammer so to speak and the 997 kind of missed it um, and it looks like it's missed it for good because if 997s are 120 um, but you know if this if this 996 Carrera if you're looking at a hundred thousand for a 996 Carrera in my mind then the 997 Carrera should be even more than that but this is what I keep coming back to what do you do do you keep it or do you sell it you know I don't want to sell my 997. Um, would I sell it to get into a 991.2 GT3? Possibly. Would I sell it to get into a good example of a 911T? Possibly. Would I sell it just to get a 912? No. Would I buy a 912 to have alongside the 997? In a perfect world, if I have enough funds, yes. Um, 911T against the 997 Carrera? I don't think I could afford a 911T or a 911E with, with both cars, having the, having the Carrera 997 and the 911T. Um, and then you think, you know, even if my car, say my car is worth 120,000 Australian dollars, just to say conservatively, it's now 120, easy still I can sell it for 120. 52,000 kilometers, you know, immaculate condition, um, 120,000. What can I sell? What can I buy into for 120,000? You know, you still have to add quite a lot of money. I can't, even if I was thinking about getting a GT3, you know, a 991.2 GT3, you know, you're still looking at adding in another 230,000, you know, and then you're getting rid of a car like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people with regrets that sold their, you know, 87, 88, 3.2 Carrera G50. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are regretting that. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have sold a 911T, you know, um, a guy I used to, an ex-boss of mine, ex-guy I used to work with, he had a 911T. And, you know, he paid $35,000 for it. I mean, that's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. It's 20 years ago. But he paid $35,000 Australian dollars for it. Uh, and you think about the price of T's now. But then you also think about the price, and I was having this discussion uh, with Devin, who's coming up on Owner Stories, with the cost of, you know, restoration. The cost of restoration, like we touched on in the last episode with Steve, um, you know, the cost of restoration if you get it done at Porsche Classic and you're looking at 300000 plus to restore your car, it's a big investment. It's a big investment. So this is what I'm saying. I mean, obviously the 996 and 997s aren't in need of full restoration. Most of them are still pretty good, most of them. But what do you do? You know, what do you do? And this is why I think, you know, 996 and 997 owners in the next, and maybe it hasn't happened yet. Maybe this is just the start of it. But I think in the next... I think in the next 18 months, I think the market is still going to get stronger for 996s and 997s. 
There's very little supply in Australia, if you look online, especially for a manual, very little supply. Um, obviously, the people who are hanging on to the 0.2997s are probably, you know, um, laughing because they've got such a great, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about money value, they're sitting on a great investment. Um, but for my situation, it's like, I just want to make sure my car's insured to the right value. Um, and I want to make sure that if I do sell it, whatever I sell it for is going to give me that same experience and same feeling. Um, I am a bit sentimental, um, and I know this comes into Porsche ownership. I'm a bit sentimental because it is my first 911, it is my first Porsche. And part of me wants to just keep it. it just want, I, part of me just wants to, me, to keep it, and I want to look back in 20 years and think, wow, I bought that way back in, you know, whatever year it was, 2017. Some part of me wants to have that feeling, you know, to look back at it and say, I, I held onto this car, and then maybe it's time to let it go to someone who's going to look after it. But I don't want to miss out on other experiences. And this is, this, is the, this is the borderline. This is the line here where you have to take. I don't want to miss out on other experiences. And I know a lot of people I've made friends with through this podcast are experiencing new experiences now. They're buying, they're buying cheaper cars, but they're getting other Porsches and they're going to enjoy that Porsche because they want to have those experiences. I still, you know, and I, you know, as I say to the guys in the UK, I'm still getting a 912. Um, I would love, of course, you know, when I say 912, I really like a 69. You know, I know the S short wheelbases are supposed to be, um, long wheelbase was always better. 69s, short wheelbase are probably, uh, I think now that the general opinion is they're better. I remember Seinfeld was talking about it today. Um, I don't know enough about that to, to comment, but it's an interesting sort of thing to think about. You know, I know I want one of those um, <coughs> earlier 911s or 912s. I'm happy to get a 912, like I said. Um, if the 911 came up at the right price, which I don't think it will, um, I would probably get the 911 instead, you know, 60s 911. Um, but now I'm also tempted, you know, so I, I, I want to experience that. But then, you know, I'm starting to think I wouldn't mind experiences of, experiencing a 356. And it's not just from the podcast I heard today, but it's from talking to previous owners. And I have been looking at them, you know, but 356s are so expensive. And that's the problem. They're so expensive. Um, I just want to experience that classic, that classic car. But do I get rid of my modern, so-called almost modern 997, which has gone up in value, to buy the classic car? This is the thing. Um, current car, you've got you know memories. You've got the fact that it is your first car. It is the car that, I guess, launched everything for me. You know, this whole podcast and everything is because of that car. So there's a lot involved in it, and it's kind of like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to part with it. Um, and this is where. F- emotion overrules money you know what i mean it's not always about the money it's about it's about the feeling it's about the experience but i do want to experience new porsche porsche you know models i do want to experience you know older ones i want to experience the newer ones uh, i'd love to have a drive in a 992 just to see how it feels i'd love to drive a 356 um, like i've said i've driven beetles before and things like that but i'd love to drive a 356 i've never driven a 912 or a I've been in, obviously, a 70s, 70s 911. Um, I haven't driven one, but I've been in it. I know the experience. I know the noise of it. Um, you know, I know all that side of it, and I like it. It's like being in an air-cooled. You know that it's a completely different experience to your car. It's like being in Steve's GT3, completely different experience to my 997 due to the seats and the sound and the gearing. Um, and that's what Porsche ownership is all about. That's what the Porsche 
thing is all about. You know, we want to experience as much as we possibly can. Um, I understand why people have multiple Porsches in their garage. It makes sense. It makes sense that we keep looking. You know, this joke that we always laugh about, oh, you know, we can't stop looking. You get something and then you want something else. It's because we want to experience the brand. We want to experience every part of the brand. And I really do like what Philip said in Owner's Stories. Um, every, every model is important. You know, every model is important. It's all part of Porsche's history. Uh, I'm probably not quoting it right, Philip, sorry. But it's all part of Porsche's history, um, and they all come together. You know, it, it's the DNA of the brand, and, and we shouldn't be, like, hating on someone because they have a Boxster or hating on someone because they only have a 944 or hating on someone because, oh, you only have the 911 Carrera, not the Carrera S. And I know a lot of you guys don't do that, but there is, there is, there is some of that in the community, um, and we shouldn't because I think Philip said it perfectly. Every model is important. Every model was important at that point in time. And that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? That's kind of where I'm thinking. That's what I was thinking today. Uh, I just, like I said, I was just thinking when I was uh, in the gym earlier. I think that's about it. I think you guys are probably uh, at the limit of hearing me talking to myself. It's a bit like the old episodes, isn't it? When I first started, if you haven't heard those episodes, they used to go for 22 minutes. Um, and I used to just chat with myself here in Bahrain. I think it was the start of lockdown when I started getting back into the podcast. So it's, what was that? 2020, beginning of 2020. Um, the podcast has been going now since 2019. It's been going for two years, believe it or not. I noticed that on Apple the other day. It said 2019 to 2021, which is kind of crazy in itself. All right, guys. Uh, hopefully Steve is back next week. Um, hopefully he's going to be here and we can have a chat again. Uh, and just reconnect on what's been going on with him. I know he's been detailing his uh, GT3. I think he's almost finished. He's been doing it section at a time. Um, what else? Uh, for those of you who asked me, yes, I did get the uh, Latheworks, uh, the Latheworks um, knob and shifter. Um, I am getting one of those. Marco, who's been on Owner Stories before, Steve's cousin, who's got the yellow um, 996 Turbo. Marco placed the order for us. Thank you, Marco. I know it was a bit of a hassle and you have to go through a long process. Marco's placed the order. Um, he's getting one. I'm getting one. I think he's getting something else as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting that when I'm back in Sydney. I just got the black with the white engraving, uh, silver, just the plain plain sort of um, lathe work. So I'll try that out. Um, see if I like it. See if it feels better than the stock shifter. Um, I may get a uh, shifter from Carbone, possibly. But I want to see what the black one's like first. The lathe works uh, looks like a really good quality from what Steve sent me uh, images of. But I did order that. Someone asked me the other day, did I get one? I haven't got it yet. Marco's ordered it. Uh, it takes some time. If you want one of those, you should um, place your order because he's quite. He's getting busier and busier and he's only one guy with two hands. Two hands, as he says. All right, guys, I think that's it. I'm going to uh, leave the podcast here. I'm going to edit it very quickly and I'm going to put it up for you guys on Patreon, which it usually goes up in less than an hour's time. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks so much for all the support. And that's about it. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>